And Father, I just want to pray as well. Lord, that you would anoint this message. You would anoint this message. Now, God, open our eyes. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, would you please serve us? And everyone else, would you please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 3, 1 to 13. I'm going to drop this now and and go on. Okay. Great. We are now moving into the sermon, which is the main purpose why we gather here. God builds his church through his word, through his preach word. And so we're going to preach the word this morning in in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. The title of this message is God's Mystery. God's Mystery. You can put that slide up. There we go. God's Mystery. Ephesians 3, 1 to 13. So three of the songs that we sang this morning had the word mystery promptly in them, prominently in them. And there was a reason for that as we discussed how could we sing songs that would, that would communicate some of the truths that this text has. And that's what part of what worship is. It's communicating the truths of God. We, we just believe that God's mystery, God's mystery is at the core of this passage. And so let us, let us read about God's mystery. Let us read about it. So if you have a Bible, this is definitely time to pull your Bible out, read it. If you don't have a Bible, we have one on the table right back there. Yeah, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Now notice he pauses here. He's in mid-sentence. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. And my Bible has a dash there. He pauses because something else just came to his mind. What he was about to do, which really was pray for them, he's going to interrupt by explaining some things to them. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. There's that word mystery. As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. There it is again. Which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, and as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery, verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have bold access, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you which is your glory. So here we have this mystery. Here we have a prisoner of Christ. And as I thought about an opening illustration, I I thought about the the TV series 24. 
Now, it's been a couple of years, I think, since it ended, or maybe it was last year, but it's a series that I enjoyed. No surprise, there was a lot of action and uh, fighting bad guys, shooting them up, and all that good stuff. But the main, the main character in the, in the movie, in the TV series 24, is a guy named Jack Bauer. And uh, by the way, I, I've always thought we need spiritual Jack Bowers, but enough of that. Um, we, this guy, Jack Bauer, who wasn't afraid to lead, though sometimes and often flawed, but he was an agent for the Counterterrorism Unit, CTU, Counterterrorism Unit. And in one of the final seasons, Jack Bauer finds himself in a Chinese prison. Now, they don't go into a lot of detail, but he's in there because he was serving our country, and he did some things that the Chinese didn't like, so they kidnap him, and they throw him in prison. He was actually there for two years. So in this, in the second to the last season, the president of the United States negotiates the release of Jack Bauer, but negotiates his release to then ask Jack Bauer to give his life to protect America. Okay, there were some bad guys, and they said, look, we, we'll stop blowing things up and killing people if you give us Jack Bauer, because we want to kill Jack Bauer. So the president re- negotiates his release. Jack Bauer comes back to the United States. And in a, in a kind of a poignant scene, as poignant as 24 can get, um, in kind of a poignant scene, one of his fellow agents says, Jack, you know, it's good to see you again. I haven't seen you for, for two years. Thank you for serving this country. And he goes, I'm so sorry that it has to end this way. And Bauer says to him, he says, he just pauses, he looks him in the eyes, he goes, do you know what it is to die for something? Bauer goes on, he says, the only thing that kept me fighting to stay alive and sane in that Chinese prison for the last two years was that I didn't want to die for nothing. I didn't want to suffer for no reason. So I get to give my life for a reason. Die for something. Now, as Jack Bauer found himself a prisoner in a Chinese prison, so the Apostle Paul finds himself a prisoner, literally in a prison, probably in Rome, as he writes this letter. And let me be very clear. Let me be very clear. There's no comparison between Jack Bauer's imprisonment in China because of his service to America as a CTU agent and the, Apostle's Paul, the Apostle Paul's imprisonment in Rome because he's serving the eternal purposes of God. But sometimes it helps us get our minds going if we can kind of see the, the, the correlation. And what's the correlation, you're asking? Well, here it is. Just like Jack Bauer's friend saying, I'm sorry, Jack, it has to come to this. And Jack says, no, but I, I get to die for a reason, for a purpose. So the Apostle Paul, who was in chains in Rome, was trying to share with these, with these folks, was trying to communicate to folks, hey, don't feel sorry for me. My imprisonment has a purpose. I'm actually rejoicing I can give my life for a reason. As a matter of fact, if you drop down to verse 13 of chapter 3, he actually says to them, verse 13 of chapter 3, So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. You see, Paul, Paul in the first two chapters of Ephesians lays out this incredible gospel truth. Unbelievable stuff. Actually, very believable now because the Spirit helps us believe it. But apart from the Spirit, it would be like, what? That's not possible. 
And so, and so Paul lays it out for two chapters. And then at the beginning of chapter 3, Paul says, I'm going to pray for you. That's what, he's gonna, that's what he's starting to do in chapter 3. For this reason. For what reason? All the truths that I shared in chapters 1 and 2, particularly chapter 2, verses 19 and 22. For this reason, I'm going to pray for you. And by the way, I'm Paul, me, Paul, the guy who's a prisoner. Now catch this. Not of Rome. Not of the Jews. Not of Caesar. Now, all those people were involved in Paul's imprisonment. I am a prisoner of what? Look at verse 1. What does it say there? I'm a prisoner of whom? Christ Jesus. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and I'm a prisoner for your sakes, on your behalf, Gentiles. And it's like he's about to pray for them, which, by the way, next week, please pray for Bentley. He will preach his first sermon ever in his life on Paul's prayer. Okay, so if you look at verse 14 real quick. How does verse 14 begin? For this reason. How does verse 1 begin? For this reason. Okay, so verse 1, he starts the prayer, then he interrupts himself for the next 12 verses, down to verse 13, explaining this whole thing of why he's a prisoner, why he's suffering on behalf of the Gentiles, so that they won't lose heart. And then in verse 14, he picks up the prayer again for this reason. And Bentley's going to preach that prayer. But before we get to the prayer, we have to get to the prayer interrupted, or that is the digression. And that's what I get to preach this morning. Because Paul wants them to understand, don't lose heart at my suffering. Don't lose heart when things happen that we don't plan. Why? Because there's something greater. There's this mystery. So that's why we're talking about God's mystery. Paul is saying, I'm in prison because of the mystery of God. I'm Christ Jesus prisoner because of this mystery. So he's going he's to expose it and, and reveal it again. He's actually already revealed it, but he's going to just emphasize it again. That's our, that's our joy this morning. We get to look at that mystery. In fact, that's what answers the question, I think, that drives this text, which is what enabled Paul to encourage us, and I'm going to say us because he was encouraging the Ephesians, but I'm going to say us, to encourage us not to lose heart. What encouraged Paul, or what enabled Paul to encourage us not to lose heart. Because as I was preparing this message, I realized that there is one thing to prepare the the, the truths, the historical, theological, wonderfully redemptive truths. And this passage has them. This passage is way cool. This is one of those sort of secrets of the universe kind of passage. You know, like, oh, that's what the entire history of humanity is about. You know, one of those passages, you know. I mean, you kind of want to pay attention on this one. But... But God, as he's only God can, takes this incredibly, you know, 30,000 foot level history of mankind and what God's been up to from the beginning, these plans in his heart that no one knew, but he revealed now to the apostles and prophets. And he's able to take that and then drop it down to the personal level. So that's what verse 13 does. But you, Ephesians, don't lose heart. But you, church, don't lose heart. But you, fill your name and don't lose heart. You seated in an auditorium in Miami Lakes, Florida, in the 21st century, don't lose heart. You Ephesians sitting in a house somewhere in Ephesus, former Turkey, on the coast, and have just been saved by the grace of God, and you sitting in that little house, and you've just come out of paganism. Paganism back then is sort of like Santeria on steroids. And you don't lose heart. Yeah, I know that I'm in a prison in Rome. 
I know it was kind of a surprise to us all. I know that it happened when I was in Jerusalem just a little while ago, and I had some guys with me from Asia, maybe even from Ephesus, and I was in the temple, and they weren't going into where they weren't supposed to go into. Remember we talked about there was a place in the temple for the Gentiles? They didn't go into the holy place, but some people accused me falsely, and then they were going to kill me, and so I appealed to the leaders, and then the, the leader said, well, you've done nothing wrong, but you appealed to us to go to Rome. So yeah, I'm in Rome. Hey, did you hear that Pino got arrested the other day? Be like you guys saying, hey, did you hear that Al got arrested? No more senior pastor. Yeah, and Corey was with him. And Bentley's busy delivering babies. Okay? What? No. And by the way, it wasn't just Paul got arrested, but people were starting to get killed. And it's because of the gospel. And Paul's saying, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And, and, and he could just sense, they're going, what? Now, this Christianity thing, I'm sorry. I'm afraid of the but you know, at least I don't get, you know, th- this is crazy. I'm losing heart. I don't want to go on. So he drops it from 30,000 30, feet, cosmic purposes of God for all, you know, eternity, <laughs> down to like the runway. I want to quit. This church thing is hard. Uh, Maybe some of you are thinking that. When you lose heart, you lose faith. Maybe it's better said, when you lose faith, you lose heart. They were doubting. They were wondering. They were discouraged. Do you get that? So, So... What enabled Paul to encourage them not to lose heart? To encourage us not to lose heart. Well, it's the mystery. It's the mystery. It is the mystery that we are, we are we're going to dive into. It's the mystery. It's this, it's this stewardship of God's grace that has been given to Paul. So let's look at it. Let's take a look at this mystery. All right? Point number one. The mystery revealed. And, and, as, and as you're going back to verse 2, let me just tweak one thing that Jack Bauer said. Okay? Bauer said, do you know what it's like to die for something? You know what, what hope that brings a man that he knows I'm not going to die for nothing, but I'm going to die for something. I want to tweak what Mr. Bauer said. Because actually I think what, what's the question before us is not, hey, do you know what it is to die for something? Uh, Let me ask you this question. Do you actually know what it is to live for something just beyond you? Or is your life just so small that it's just all about you? What am I going to eat for lunch today? (laughs) What about my, my little world? I think this text invites you to ask, will I live for something? And it may mean that you die. I don't know. You'll certainly have to die to your own desires. That's for sure. But do you know what it is to live for something bigger than you? Paul did. What it was, it's this vision of the mystery revealed that captured him. It's the wonder of the mystery of God's love that captured him. It's it's the gospel that captured him, and that's what we see here. Look at verse 2 again. 
Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have briefly written to you. Okay, so, so what Paul is saying, don't lose heart. I'm in prison. I'm Christ's prisoner. And the reason I haven't lost heart is because I have been given this stewardship from God. I have been given something from God, stewardship from God, so that I could give it to you. It was given to me for you, verse 3. And here's what it is. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written to you briefly. Now, very quickly, we're going to be, doing, uh, we're going to be preaching through Acts after we preach through Ephesians. Now, it's going to be a while. It's going to be August when we get to Acts. But let me, just, let me just remind you, when Paul was apprehended by the Lord, when God chose Paul and chose the moment to reveal to Paul his calling, do you recall what happened? Do you recall where it is? That's right, Acts 9. Very good. So just briefly stick your finger in Ephesians 3 and go to Acts 9. As you very well knew, we're ready to shout out that answer. Acts 9. Look at Acts 9, verse 1. Get there. Look at it. Acts 9, 1. But, but Saul. Love to hear that sound. Acts 9, 1. I don't like to hear that sound in the theater. You know when people are reaching into their popcorn bag at a real crucial point of the movie? It's irritating. But I don't mind hearing that sound in church when you're rustling through your pages. Although now with the computer age, you're just punching your buttons on your digital whatever you have, right? Your iPad. Some of you have iPads and think you're so cool, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, that's me, Al. All right. Acts 9, 1. But Saul, this is Paul, still breathing threats and murder, murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to be uh, to the synagogues at Damascus so that he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, which is in present-day Syria, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. God said, okay, that's it, Paul. Boop. You used to be murdering my people. Now you're going to be preaching my gospel. I love it. Yeah, amen indeed. Let's pray for those who we think the hardest ones. God, in his moment, when it's time, that's it. It's time. They are going to be saved. Verse 4, And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Notice in your Bible, it's in red. This is the voice of the Lord. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? (laughs) He said, "Uh Uh-oh. Been doing the wrong things here. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Now skip down. In verse 11, uh, God tells one of the uh, disciples in Damascus, hey, go pray for the guy that came here to kill you. <laughs> and I said, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Uh, Lord, you do know he was sent here to kill us, right? Yes, I, yes, but I've been working on him, so you go pray for him. Okay. Verse 11, and the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision. A man named Annas, Ananias, came, come in and lay hands on him so they might regain sight. And skip down to verse 15. And the Lord said to him, now this is Ananias, okay? And the Lord said to him, go, he's talking to Ananias, for he, okay, so he, now this is God's, Will for Paul. For he is as cho- a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before whom? The Gentiles. The most Jewish of Jews. 
God's chosen to go carry his name before the Gentiles. Now it makes sense when he write the, writes the Ephesians. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Listen, guys, I didn't choose him. He chose me. I'm his prisoner. But praise God, he chose me to set me free. He's given me life. He died for my sins. But I'm his prisoner, and I'm glad to be his prisoner on your behalf. He's thinking about this right here. Before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, look at verse 16. And I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. When God calls us, often he calls us to be his prisoners, and we will suffer, church. Mark it down. But you will never live so gloriously as suffering for your Savior. And you will never live so poorly and so smallly and so, so just pathetically if you run from that suffering so that you might just have pleasure all your life. Preaching to myself right now. Okay, back to verse 3 of Ephesians 3. See where it says, as I have written briefly at the end of three, this is this mystery, as I have written briefly. There's no time to go into this, but the written briefly there is is talking about not only what he wrote the Ephesians in chapters one and two, but probably what he wrote the Colossians, because uh, Ephesians and Colossians and Philemon are called prison epistles because they were written by Paul when he was in. That's good. (laughs) And so... Probably he's been writing about the gospel, but probably most specifically, you could probably sum it all up in what we just read, what I just preached on last week, verses 19 to 22 of chapter 2 of Ephesians. Okay? All right. Verse 4. And when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Into the mystery of Christ. It, at this point, it's an open secret. It's a secret, but it's an open secret. Okay, so so it's the mystery of Christ. He's already talked about it. It's an open secret, but I'm going to continue to write about it. Now, here's what I want to appeal to anyone here that's not a believer. It's an open secret. It's been revealed, but has it been revealed to you? If you are here this morning, and this makes no sense, it truly is an open secret to you. And I pray that God reveal it to you. And I pray that this would come down from a 30,000 foot level down to the runway of your life. And that God would save you this morning. At the end of this message, we're going to receive communion. And I'll give you more instruction at this point. But I pray between now and then, God would do a miracle in your heart. And this open secret would no longer be a secret to you. That is my prayer. Look at verse 5 which was made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. By the Spirit. So this open secret, this mystery that led Paul to go ahead and be gladly a prisoner for Jesus Christ and now be in prison and be joyful about it and and enabled him to say, hey, don't lose heart, guys. This is something that was revealed by God to the holy apostles and prophets. If you remember last week, we talked about we are the holy temple of God being built by God. And remember what the foundation was? 
the apostles and prophets, or some would say the apostles who prophesied. What is this saying here? It's saying that the very foundation of the church, the very foundation of my faith, the very foundation of the mystery that controls my life, that apprehends me for God, that gives me joy in the midst of my sufferings, is none other than the gospel as revealed to the apostles and prophets, or the apostles who prophesied. It's, it's what they wrote here. It's what I'm preaching. This is the mystery. Okay, in verse 6, he just comes right out and tells you what it is. And verse 6 is key. Circle verse 6. Verse 6 is is the mystery. Here it is. Verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles, you Ephesians, who I'm writing to, us today in Miami Lakes, are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, if you will note here, he is definitely summarizing what he said in chapter 2, particularly verses 19 to 22, but actually verses 11 to 22. He's calling us, he says, here's the mystery. You Gentiles are fellow heirs. Here's what that means. You who were the goyim, okay, the the, the outcasts. It says it in chapter 2, you were alienated from the promises of God. He says, now you're going to have the same blessing of Abraham that formerly was only for the Jews. A fellow heir is a fellow heir of the promises that God gave to Abraham. Did you know that God preached the gospel to Abraham? And that those promises are fulfilled in the gospel? Okay. Your silence tells me that you doubt me. Look at, Galat- look at Galatians 3.8. Galatians 3.8. Galatians 3.8. You just make a left-hand turn, like one or two pages, depending on how big the print is in your Bible. Galatians 3.8. Amazing passage. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. What? Yes. I told you this is cosmic 30,000 foot. This is like get your decoder ring on, you you know. like, you're, you, know, that, you know, that stuff that you write on and it's invisible until, like, you put lime juice on it or something. This is the revealed, God's preaching the gospel to Abraham thousands and thousands of years before Paul ever existed. And it says in, in Galatians 3, 8, that, the, that he preached the gospel to Abraham, how? Saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. That doesn't sound like the gospel. It was. It was the gospel hidden ready to be revealed fully at the time of Paul through Jesus Christ. It's why Paul was in prison. People didn't like to hear that the Gentiles were included. Jews did not like to hear that the Gentiles were included with them in the promises of Abraham. That's why they arrested him. That's why they wanted to kill him. Because Paul was preaching, the law is not how you get justified. The law is not how you are justified before God. It's Jesus Christ and faith alone and Christ alone. And no time to preach Galatians. Prado's preaching it right now. But Galatians says, the law leads you to this. The law is good. It expresses who God is. But you're justified by faith alone and Christ alone. And the Jews go, What? You're teaching people that they don't have to be circumcised, they don't have to obey our dietary laws to be right with God. And Paul says, that's right. Kill him! How could he be an heir of the promises of Abraham if he doesn't keep the law? Kill him! I mean, it was so bad that when he was arrested in Jerusalem, the arrest that led to this imprisonment, there were men that took a a pack. We won't eat till we kill this guy. I think there were 40 of them. Paul drove people crazy. You think Tim Tebow drives people crazy. <laughs> to my knowledge, no one wants to kill Tebow. They wanted to kill Paul. 
because he preached the gospel. The gospel that had landed him in prison as a prisoner of Christ Jesus. The gospel that would land you in places you may not want to go. But go, because it's better there than anywhere you think you want to go. It's better than any cruise you want to go on or any island you want to go visit. Wherever it is you like to go to do whatever you like to do to think you're going to be happy. Way better than all that. See, Abraham had the promise of the Spirit, and we're heirs to that. Look what else it says. Go back to chapter, uh, verse 6. What, what, what is this mystery? Not only are we fellow heirs with the Jews of the promises of Abraham, okay, which is the gospel, we know that, but we are members of the same body. Oh, guys, this definitely is referring back to what was preached in verses 11 to 22. Remember, remember, remember Rolando, what a great message he preached. He, remember, he said, you had two people, the Jews and the Gentiles, and they were warring. And what separated the Jews and the Gentiles? You remember? The law. How, do you, how are you made right with God? And God broke down the dividing wall of the law. How? In the body of Jesus. Jesus says, I've come to fulfill the law. It's fulfilled in me. The way you come to God isn't through your works and through the law. It's through Christ and trusting in him. And he broke down the wall and he took the Jew and the Gentile. There's no longer Jew and Gentile. But now there's one and they're called Christians. That's what he's talking about there. This new humanity, this new man. This is the mystery. No one saw that. Every Jew would have said to you, Messiah is coming. And all the, the nations that God calls will come to the temple and they'll come to us because we Jews are superior because we've got God. And in a sense, that's true. God chose them. But no one saw that the temple would be a people and the people would be Jew and Gentile united into one new man. No one saw that. That's the mystery that landed Paul in jail. And the last one, partakers of the promise. Oh, friends, we, we Gentiles receive the promised Holy Spirit. The promise here is definitely the Holy Spirit. Real quick, you don't have to go there, but let me just write this down. Acts 10, 44. Acts 10, 44. Paul is praying. The church has been around for a while, and he knows he's supposed to go to the nations, but he's a good Jew, and it's just hard to go to the nations. You go to the nations, you're unclean. He understands that he's supposed to. Remember, go to the nations, preach the gospel. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. He can't even preach to the Gentiles in Jerusalem until God comes in a vision and says, kill and eat, and the stuff he's being asked to kill and eat are unclean animals. You know, there's, there's pigs in there. Okay? That's where the Cubans enter the Bible, right there. <laughs> right there. And Paul says, I can't do that. And he says, don't you call unclean. I'm going to make it clean. Thing goes up. Knock, knock, knock. You got this God-fearing Roman guy, Gentile. Hey, God told us to knock on this door and ask, is there a guy named Peter here? Yeah, okay, you're supposed to come with us. Ah, there's the unclean guy. Don't get too close to him. And then he walks into their house, and he's going, okay, Lord, I'm just trusting you here. And then in 1044, he's preaching the gospel. And what happens? The Holy Spirit falls on these guys. Yeah. And they're saved. And he baptized them. And then he goes back to his Jewish Christian brothers, and they give him a hard time. They're, ready to, they're going to ring him up on charges, man. They're going to bring the council, the presbytery, whatever you want to call it, the elders. And Paul's going down like a clown because he hung out with Gentiles. And Paul says, you know what, guys? I figured since God gave them the Holy Spirit the same when he gave us, it was okay. 
Ah, oh, you got a good point there, Paul. <laughs> but it was still hard for them, man. That is the mystery. It's in Christ. It's through the gospel. Look at that at the end of verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ. It's not outside of Christ. It's in Christ. It's not in the law. It's not in my good works. It's in Christ, and it's through the gospel. See, verse 7 tells us that this gospel... Look at verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Verse 7 is a transition verse. The second point is going to begin with verse 8. But, but here in verse 7 is something I don't want to blow by. In fact, verse 7 is going to probably be the last verse I preach for the sermon today because I've taken way too much time. <laughs> and I think this is good. This is, we're going to just stop right here, and I'm going to pick up verse 8 next week, maybe. <laughs> Bentley's going, oh, man. <laughs> but I don't, I, I don't, let, let me tell you why I want to stop in verse 7. The prominent word in verse 7, if mystery is the prominent idea of this text, what's the prominent word in verse 7? Grace. Look, look back in verse 2. You find that word again in verse 2. You've heard of the stewardship of God's grace. And then look at verse 8, which moves into the second point of, of the message. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me. See, the mystery is Christ. It's the gospel, dear friends. But in verse 7, we see the grace of God, the grace of God given to Paul to be a minister of this this gospel. Do you know what that word minister means? Servant. A prisoner. Oh, I don't know if I can be a minister. Can you be a servant? Are you willing to be a prisoner? I I, I think I have this right. There was a whole group of missionaries uh, in... uh, Germany, Count Zinzendorf, and they were called the, Cal, help me. Somebody help me. The Moravians, thank you. Was that you, David? Bentley. Dude, that was nice. The Moravians, and and I believe this is an accurate thought. I'm pretty sure this is true. At one point, they were so moved by wanting to share the gospel, they sold themselves into slavery in the Caribbean so that they could preach the gospel there. Pretty sure that's right. Um, Okay, so this is why I'm not going to preach the rest of the message, because I want to camp here just for a moment. Are you a servant of the gospel? Do you see yourself as a prisoner of the gospel and a prisoner of Christ Jesus? (laughs) I was reading Forbes. I think it was Forbes magazine recently. The worst place in America to live, according to Forbes. I think it was Forbes. Guess where it is? You got it. We beat Detroit, Michigan. Sorry, honey, you're from Detroit. I don't want to disparage your hometown. We beat Detroit, Michigan. So why would anybody move to Miami? Why would anybody stay in Miami? I think Peyton Manning, who's a quarterback, who I could care less about anymore, uh, 
when, when he was thinking of coming to Miami, he said, Miami is a great place to live, but I wouldn't want to raise my children there. I, come on. We would agree with him, right? I mean, before you go, whoa. Right? Earthly speaking, right? They did this one thing that they were grading all the cities that he was going to go to. Denver, Houston, not Houston, uh, Nashville, uh, San Francisco, Miami. And, and they had given pluses and minuses. I think the only plus we got was the weather. And then the, the, the minus was the murder rate. And our murder rates are, you know, five times everybody else's, you know. So why would you live in Miami? Why would you live in Miami, especially if you don't speak Spanish? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because you've seen the mystery. I have seen a mystery. I have seen a mystery that is so wonderful that it amazes me. I, who was a stranger, a rebel, I have, I have been bought. I have been made part of the promise. I was outside the clique. I was outside the in crowd. I was on the outs. I was rejected. I was on my way to eternal damnation, and it was right for me to be so. This God chose me. This God redeemed me. This God cleansed me. This God gave me the hope I didn't have. Remember Rolando talked about, think about how hopeless you were. This God brought me near when I was running from him. And then this God brought me to a group of people. And I'm a prisoner of that God. That's why I go to Miami. I just boldly say, may God bring men and women to this city, not just to this church, but to many churches. Because if I have my facts correct, it's either the first or second most unchurched city in the world. So let's just all go to where it's nice and peaceful and the weather's perfect and my kids won't be harmed and everything's going to be good and everybody looks like me and talks like me and I'm going to make a lot of money. And literally, the heck with the other places. Fill in the other word. Or, I'm your prisoner. I'm not going to lose heart. I'm going to make less money. I'm going to take a hit in every way possible. I may get hurt. I may not be as happy. I'll never be comfortable. It's always going to be weird. Why are they so loud? Why does everybody honk the horn the second the light turns green? Why is that guy shooting that other guy? Just because they got in an accident. No joke. Happened a couple of weeks ago. I'm going because I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. And I go by the power of the Spirit. That's why I want to end in seven. That's what he's saying in seven. Look, of this gospel, I was made a minister. He's passive there. I was made the minister, right? According to the gift of God's grace. Notice gift. I didn't earn it. Gift. Which was given me. This is all... I'm recipient by the working of his power. Oh, friends, what I want to tell you is the same Holy Spirit is the power of God. It's the power of God for salvation. It's the power of God to make us servants, doulasses. It's the power of God to, to fill our mouths with the gospel when we'd rather just be quiet. It's the power of God to lay hands on those who are sick and pray God heal them. It's the power of God to, to give up what, what I want. It's the power of God to change, to become a holy temple. It's the power of God to overcome sin that has captured me and made me its prisoner so that now I know that God has captured me and made me his prisoner. And if I'm his prisoner, I'm really free. It's the power of God for service. And it's what we're given. 
Listen, Paul is saying, in essence, as I close this message and we prepare for communion, Paul says, in essence, this. Look, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ because God gave me something for you. And what we're going to see next week, and now I'm giving it to you to give to someone else. (laughs) So guess what? Get ready. Don't lose heart. If you find yourself in a Roman prison, your plans are delayed, and your world is turned upside down. Let's transition our hearts to communion. What better place to end this passage? Would you allow me to pray? The ushers are moving because I asked them to move, but everyone else, if you could just stay in your seats. Would you allow me to pray for a moment to to let the Lord capture our hearts? I I don't want to lose that. Worship team, you can begin moving as well to your instruments. Can we just bow our heads for a moment? But let's just, God's, God's working in us as a church right now. Lord, I, I, I want to be captured by the wonder of your love, afresh and anew. Lord, Lord I, I, I want to take a look at the mystery of your love and have it move me. Because it is amazing. Grace is amazing. Next week, we'll, we'll understand. Your riches, they're, they're incomprehensible. The, the depth of your love. Later, he's going to pray that we understand it. Bentley's going to preach that. It, it, it's, it's amazing. It's so hard for me to understand it. A, because of my limits. But B, I get distracted so easily. And C, I lose heart, Lord, often. I don't like being a prisoner. I like doing whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. I don't like prison food, Lord. Back then, they didn't have TVs. There's nothing there. And I admit to you, Lord, I I often buck and rebel and and, and resist this glorious confinement of the gospel that is actually true freedom. Lord, I pray for those amongst us that maybe have lost a little heart. There's a lot of them I don't see here and I haven't seen for a while. It's your church, not mine. But oh, I do love your church. I love you, Lord. She's your body. She's your bride. There's so many metaphors. We we are your holy temple. A dwelling place for God. That's amazing. By your spirit. When we look in the mirror, we don't often see any of that, Lord. We can lose heart. So I pray as we are about to receive the very elements, the very sign of this covenant that we are now partakers of because of your grace. Would you encourage our hearts as we look at the mystery of your love? Would you you animate us, as Corey said a few weeks ago? (laughs) Deploy us as you desire. Based on the grace of your gospel, not some obligation or fear of what's going to happen if we don't. Oh, God, may we be done with the law in trying to please you, and may we embrace justification by faith alone in Christ alone, by your grace. But may it energize a church that gives all for you, a visible church, 
just want to pause in that prayer and just say, look, if, if, if you're here this morning um, and the mystery of God's love remains an open secret to you, I just want to tell you as kindly and certainly don't want to be rude, but I do fear God. The Bible says don't take this communion because you would be mocking it. You, you, this means that this mystery has been revealed to you and you have bowed your life and your heart and repented and confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. Okay, that's who it's for. But here's what I want to tell you. Perhaps God you, would you, has used this message in this text to reveal it to you. We don't know. God's the one that knows. But if he has, I would just say, just as we sing this song, as the ushers come down, and in fact, you guys can come on down, ushers. God may be giving you that. It's between you and God. If that is the case, and you have this sense and an assurance from the Lord, then please, by all means, receive communion. I also would love to talk to you afterwards, maybe at the guest table. And to the rest of us, what we're going to do here in just a moment is the ushers are going to serve us with communion, which is a sign, it's a seal of the covenant that we're now part of, the gospel he preached to Abraham, fully revealed in Christ. Symbol here. The blood of Christ is the juice. The body of Christ is the bread. Just like was preached a couple of weeks ago, he broke down the dividing wall in his body. He made peace with God and hence peace with one another through the body of and blood of Christ. We've been brought near by the blood of Christ, is how it was said. And we're just saying amen. That's what this is. And God moves during these times, and he commanded us to celebrate it. And what I thought we we would do is, as the ushers are going to be distributing this to us, we'd sing again that song, The Mystery of Your Love. And could you put the words up there? And again, verse 1, it really captures the truth, what we've been preaching. When I was a stranger, a stranger to what? A stranger to the covenant, a stranger to the promises, a stranger. When I was a stranger, you took me in. When I was an outcast, remember that word alien? I was an alien, not part of the commonwealth of Israel, commonwealth of God's people, the household of God, you called me friend. When I was a rebel, you bled for me on the cross. When I was a leper, you made me clean. And look at the chorus. Oh, the mystery of your love, the mystery of your love fills me with wonder. That's my prayer for you this morning, that we be filled with wonder. Didn't get a chance to preach it, but at a certain point, Paul says, I can't believe that I get to preach this, that I get to be in this prison. I can't believe it. Me, the least of all. What fills him with that? It's the wonder of what was revealed to him. So may it be revealed to you. And it fill you with wonder. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. So I'm just take a moment to pray again. If you are one of those that didn't know, am I redeemed? Well, respond. God's doing business with you. It's not with me. It's with God. I'm just preaching, delivering the message. God's the one that gives you life and reveals it to you. So let me just pray again. And then ushers, when I'm done praying, you go ahead and distribute. Everybody stay seated. Worship band will lead us. When we're all been served, I'll come back up and we'll receive together. Lord, again, it's an it's a, a amazing thing that you've chosen us to be servants, ministers of your gospel, do losses. We're servants, that's all we are. Prisoners of you, Christ Jesus. Show us the wonder and the mystery of your love so that it truly would be a wonder to us every day. 
And do forgive us when we complain about it, Lord, which I do way too often. Thank you for your kindness and your mercies. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, would you please serve us? Worship team, would you lead us in the mystery of your love?